Jesus. Alright, turn with me if you would to uh, John the 18th chapter if you would. John the 18th chapter. Let's stand as we honor God's word by standing. Let's listen. Well, now I'm, I'm going to be preaching on this whole chapter, but I'm only, only going to read one verse, the first, very first verse, and I'm going to be preaching a message on the rest of the chapter this morning. Uh, John the 18th chapter. When Jesus has spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook of Cedron, where it was a where, where it was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this day. Thank you for the blessings of it, Lord. I thank you for taking care of us. I thank you for everything, Lord. I, I pray that as uh, the words of wisdom says today, I pray that each and every one of us will want to set an example for these children, Lord, that's coming up. Uh, these little children, Lord, they've got to be taught and and, and what kind of example do we set for them, Lord, that they can follow? And, Lord, I just pray in all things that you might be honored and glorified. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Uh, I've titled this message today, Suffering at the Hands of Men. Suffering at the Hands of Men. Now, it is one thing to suffer at the hands of God or the hand of God by and by the way I'm sorry it, it, let me get this right it is one thing to suffer at the hands of God which by the way will draw one closer to his Lord and Master that's one thing yeah we do suffer sometimes at the hands of God especially when we are chastised, and some we, we live in a day when most people don't believe that, and uh, uh, that such things chastisement because they sin and they sin, they sin, they get by with it. Nothing ever happens, so why why would they believe it uh, if if nothing ever happens? Um, but uh, if the Lord chastises you, you're going to learn from it. You, you're going, you're going to live closer to Him when you recognize that Him, Lord and Master. But it's quite another to suffer at the hands of men. You know, we suffer at the hands of the Lord, but it's quite another to suffer at the hands of men. And a lot of times we do suffer at the hands of men. Men who one may think are very close many times with men. Their faces, or I'm sorry, they turn their faces upon one that they claim to love. You know, what, uh, what do we do with God sometimes? We say we love God, but sometimes we turn our face upon Him. We'd rather that He didn't see us. We'd rather that He didn't know what we were doing. Uh, but let me tell you, He does. He knows everything we do. Christ suffered at the hands of those he loved and even taught them the way they must go if there were those who turned on him. There were those who turned on him. That's what we're going to talk about today. This In this whole chapter here, all the way down to the, uh, let me see, all the way down to the 40th verse of this chapter 8, 18. 
you know, it, it's taught, it, these very things are taught in here. And we're going to look at these today. We're not going to, we're not going to look at every phase of it, but we're going to look at the, the phase of it that's very important. Now, if we're to understand suffering at the hands of men, we must see there was a hypocrite among the followers of Christ. First thing. There was a hypocrite. Well, the very first story he's told here in verse 2, he talks about Judas Iscariot. Now, you'll notice all the way down through here uh, in verse 2 through 9, look what he says. Verse 2 through 9, And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Now, Judas already knew where he was going to take him to to be to be caught. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I, I am he, they went backward and fell to the, to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered and says, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye, ye seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake of them, which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Now, Judas Iscariot, there was a hypocrite among the disciples. You know, you know, how many hip hypocrites are there among the righteous today? How many hypocrites are there who say one day they love and the next day they say they can't stand? Who say they love and then the next day they show forth in action they don't really love? That's a hypocrite. Hypocrites are among them. That Jesus had a hypocrite, a hypocrite in the a hypocrite in the ministry. How can that be? How could there be a hypocrite in the ministry? How can that be? A hypocrite who who holds the collection bag. How can that be? How in the world can that be? A, a hypocrite who gathered others against his own master. How can that be? How can, how can, how can that be that someone who supposedly walked with someone all those years, walked with them, and then when they, after about 33 years of it, somewhere along in there, 25, 26 years, then all of a sudden he turns on the one that he has served all those years. How can that be? First of all, he's a, he's a hypocrite in the ministry. Well, how can that be? But it's so. How can that be? Well, there, 
there was one among the followers, and he betrayed the very Lord of glory. And we uh, are we better than the Lord of glory? Are we better than he? Absolutely not. We're not better than he, so we can we can look forward to suffering at the hands of men. Well, he did. So why why can't we look forward to it? Well, don't look surprised if if any rise up against you. It has happened, and it can very well happen again. It has happened. There, there's nothing in the Bible says that'll never happen again. There's nothing in the Bible says there'll never be another Judas. There's nothing in the Bible says there'll be, never be another one who will rise up against the Lord. Well, in the last day, Jesus warned in the last day, there will be those who will do that very thing. They'll rise up against the Lord. They'll rise up against everything that he stands for. And he says, you be careful. You know, you got to be careful sometimes who you're listening to. You got to be careful who you're, who you're, you think is everything's okay. You got to be careful who you're listening to. You got to be careful who you're putting your trust in. Because there was a hypocrite among them. You'll say, well, the other disciples knew who he was. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. When Jesus said, there's one among you that will betray me, and all the rest of them said, is it I? Is it I, Lord? Is it I? Is it I, Lord? And he said, the one that I hand the sop to. He put he put a piece of bread down in the sop, and he handed it to Judas. And that's when Judas ran out and did what he had to do. They didn't know that. They didn't know they were serving with a hypocrite. How many of them had called him Brother Judas? How many of them had heard him preach? He did preach. Judas was among the group that was sent out to witness and to testify and to preach the gospel. He was among that group. How many of them had done that? And how many of them said, well, Brother Judas preached over here yesterday? <coughs> How'd they know? They didn't know. They didn't know he was a hypocrite, but they did. Now, if we're to understand suffering at the hands of men, we must see that there was one among the followers of Christ who defended him. Now, who, who's going to defend Christ? Who's going to defend the truth when he stands up? Who's going to do that? Well, there's one did. In, uh, in uh, John 18 and verse 10, says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest, uh, uh, the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant, his name was Malchus. Then said he, Jesus, unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which I, the cup which, I'm sorry, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? There was one that defended the Lord when he came, came. Listen to this. Simon Peter, 
just happened to have a sword with him. A minister carrying a sword? A minister carrying a sword? Well, you think about that. A minister carrying a sword? There can, how can that be? A minister aiming for one's head with a sword, but missed his head and cut off his right ear? How can that be? A minister. How can a minister stand up and do something like that? There was one that was ready to defend the Lord. How can a minister do something like that? Simon was reprimanded by his Lord. The Lord said to him, Put away thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Now what cup is he going to drink? What cup is he going to drink? He didn't have a cup in his hand. He didn't have a cup and say, this is what the Lord told me to drink. This is what I'm supposed to drink. He didn't have a visible cup. The cup, what cup is going, is he going to drink? Could it very well be the cup of suffering? Could it very well be that there was a cup of suffering set aside for the Lord? How many of us here have a cup of suffering waiting on us? That's one thing I've always prayed, Lord, uh, before I go, uh, I hope and pray I don't suffer. Well, that prayer is not answered because we do suffer. Jesus had a cup before him. He, he had to drink that cup, that cup of suffering that he had to go to Golgotha's hill and give his very life for his children. He had a cup and he told, he told Peter, said, put away that sword. He said, this is not the last time that you're going to see me. This is not the only time you're going to see me suffering. Cause I've got a cup. I've got to drink it, Peter, that you're probably not even going to understand. You're not, you're probably not even going to understand it. Now, if we, if we are to understand suffering at the hands of men, we must see there was one among the followers of Christ who defended him and then denied him. Now, think about this for just a moment. What, we're, we're talking about this, these disciples. We're talking about those that were among the Lord. You know, we, I started this message out with, it's one thing for, for us to suffer at the hand of God, but it's quite another for us to suffer at the hand of others, people we know, people we care about. It's quite another. Well, here Peter was. Peter defended the Lord, but then he turned right around. Look at verses, uh, uh, 15. Through 18, he says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus. Now all this happened at the same time now. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the, the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without... Then went out that 
other went out, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art thou, are not thou also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Peter? She said, aren't you one of his disciples? They've got him now. They're going to execute him. Aren't you one of his disciples? I am not. I am not. And the servant and the officer stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked of Jesus, his disciples, I'm, I'm sorry, let's skip on down to verse 25. And Simon, Peter, stood and warmed himself, and they said, Therefore unto him, Art thou also one of his disciples? He, he, he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again and immediately the cock crew. Immediately the rooster crowed. The one that defended the Lord said, you're not, you're not going to take my Lord. And he took his sword out and he swung it at Malchus's head. But yet he caught his ear and cut his right ear off. Now he's saying, I don't even know him. You wonder sometimes, why is it? Why do people do that? One of the greatest uh, challenges of the ministry is trying to figure out, figure out why people do what they do. You'll say, well, do you discuss it with other men? You don't do it. I don't discuss my troubles with other preachers, and I'm not going to do it. I don't discuss them, and, and any, any good preacher is not going to discuss his troubles to his people or anybody that he thinks he can influence. He's not going to discuss his troubles with them. What about it? Simon Peter, who defended his Lord, is now a denier of his Lord. A earnest and loyal minister to his Lord now now warms at the devil's fire. How can that be? How can that be? How can one go right out being defending the Lord and then go right out and again jump in the devil's swamp? How can they do that? They do it. There's people doing it right today. They're doing it. How can they do that? You'll say, who, who did Peter offend 
Peter didn't offend nobody around him. Oh, they, they just questioned him. He didn't, they didn't offend none of them around him. They just wanted the truth out of Peter. But who did, who did Peter offend? He offended his own Lord, his own master. And when his Lord and master looked at him, Peter began to cry. When, when he, when they brought him out in, in the bonds, when they brought Jesus out into bonds and they were walking him down through there, he looked over. And Peter was warming his hands by the devil's fire. And he looked over at him and he was so offended. Do you think not that that doesn't offend people? You think that doesn't offend your pastor? When you go out here and you're warmed by the devil's fire, sure that offends your pastor. Especially when somebody comes to you and says, aren't they a member of your church? Sure that offends you. Clearly, Peter denied that he knew not the Lord. How can that be? But it happened. It happened. How can that be? How can somebody like Peter, who defended the Lord, cut off a man's ear, trying to cut his head off, but yet he turned right around and denied that he even knew him? If we are to understand suffering at the hands of men, we must see there was one in the high court of the Lord which rejected Christ's claim of innocence. Christ who had done nothing wrong, who had not committed one crime, who had not told one lie, who had not deceived one person, who had not done anything. When he, when he went before the court, he said, I'm innocent. But there was one in that court that didn't believe him. Look at verses 18 and verse 9, in chapter 18, verse 19. And Pilate wrote in title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, nor the place, for the place where Jesus was crucified was high to the city. And it was written in the, in the Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest, then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what have I written? I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier, a part and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots 
for it. Whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled which said, They parted my garment, my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots, then were they gambled. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now, how can that be so? What did Jesus have on when he was hanging on that tree? They took his raiment all off. Now, how can that be? How can that be? An innocent man, how can he be treated like that? But he was at the hands of men. He was treated terrible at the hands of men. How many times, I'm, I'm sorry, many witnesses who followed Christ did not testify on his behalf. They didn't, no one stepped up and said, he's telling you the truth. No one stepped up when, when he said, when he said, I, I'm, I'm innocent. No one stepped up and said, he's telling you the truth. They stood, they stood, uh, on, on, on his behalf. He stood before the high, high court. None stood up with him. How could that be? You know, I don't know how many of y'all remember the man over in Buford, South Carolina, that preached on the streets many years ago. And the law got him and took him to, took him to court. He pastored a Baptist church, I guess a Southern Baptist church, I'm not sure. He pastored a Baptist church there near Buford. And he would go downtown and he would preach on the street corners. And the law got him and took him to court. Did you know not one of those church members came and stood with that man? When they took him to court, not a one of them came and stood with him. And I asked a question one time from the pulpit, many years ago, many years ago. I asked a question from the pulpit. I said, if someone came and put your preacher in jail for preaching the gospel out on the streets, what would you do? And the response I got from one person was, you shouldn't be preaching out on the streets. You should preach in the pulpit. I got that response from one church member. Now let me tell you folks, you think those things don't offend you? Those things offend you. Jesus answered them when they doubted his innocence. Jesus says, if I have spoken evil... Bear witness of the evil. But there was no one there to bear witness of the evil. He said, you bear witness of the evil. And there was no one there to stand up for him. You know, if you go to court and you don't have any witnesses stand up for you, you've you've had it. None of those stood up with him. He says, if I have witness, if you have witness... Well, me doing evil, where is that witness? Where is that person that's going to stand up and say, I didn't do evil? Where is that person? Why smitest thou me? If you can't prove I did evil, 
why are you smacking me? Why are you hitting me? With the back of your hand. But that's exactly what they did. Not one of his followers, not one of those who loved him, none, not one of them stood up with him. Not one of them went in there and stood, not one of them. Twelve disciples out there, well, eleven now. Eleven disciples out there, and not a one of them stood up for him. They knew he came, they came and got him. They knew that they had him. And they knew they were going to put him on trial. But not a one of them had the guts, the spiritual guts to stand up for him. He asked a question. He said, if I've done evil, give me a witness. They didn't have any witness that said he'd done evil. They didn't have any witness that said that he was telling the truth either. If we're to understand suffering at the hands of men, we must see there was false information given so as to get Christ killed. There was false information given. Look at John 18 and verse 28. And this Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now therefore was set a vessel. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Go back to chapter 18. In, uh, verse 28. He said, uh, then led they Jesus from Cephas into the hall of judgment, and it was it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out into the unto them and said. What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. He's speaking to the Jews here now. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Then the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answering him said, uh, said Sayest thou these things of thyself? Or did others tell it, uh, tell it, tell, tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom 
it's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but how now is my kingdom not from hence? He said, I've got witness in heaven. I've got witness up there, but what about those that are living down on the earth? What about the kingdom that's on the earth? What about today? The kingdom of God is on the earth today. What about them? He said, I've got witnesses up in heaven who will testify to the fact that I have done no wrong. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king? Then Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I both were born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. That brings us to the last thought. If we're to understand suffering at the hands of men, we must see there was a judgment given to men who hated Christ and everything he stood for. What what did he have? He had no one. Of those Jews that stood out there, was among them was his disciples. They didn't none of them speak up. They didn't none of them come forward and speak up. John 18 and verse 30. John 18 and verse 30, he says, uh, Then answered and said unto him, Oh, that's not what I want. But he said in verse 39, he says, But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? They cried, then all they cried, they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Now remember, in this group out here, his disciples were out there. The Bible says they were out there. They were out there. They didn't get to go in with him, but they were out there. How come some of them didn't come and cry out, no, no, he's he's innocent. No, he's innocent. They didn't do it. The whole crowd shouted, not this man, but Barabbas. A whole crowd against the Lord of glory. How can that be? Let me give you the very moral of this message and ask you a question. Do you consider yourself better than the Christ you serve? 
You say, well, I don't deserve what I get. Well, we do deserve what we get. We deserve every ounce of suffering we get. I tell the Lord every day, every night before I go to bed, Lord, the suffering that is brought up on me, I deserve every bit of it. We deserve every bit of the suffering we get. Whatever that suffering is, it may be with sickness. It may be with death, family death. It may, it may be with children. It may be with this, may be with that, who knows. But let me tell you, we deserve every bit of suffering we get. Again, let's go a little farther. Do you consider yourself better than the pastor that teaches you? Why couldn't you stand up for him if men are persecuting him? Men are saying all kinds of evil and all kinds of bad things about him. Why can't you stand up for him? I like what Carmen told me on the phone last week. I'm not going to repeat it. Let's go just a little bit further. Do you consider yourself better than the least of those who come to your church? Do you consider yourself better than anybody in here? That you, that this person should be should be judged, and I shouldn't. Do you consider? Do you say, as some have said, will they get what they deserve? I remember one time several years ago. I was trying to get some money for some poor people. And I was told then, well, these poor people are just going to blow the money that we give them. Do we consider ourselves better than a poor person? Do we? People suffer. At the hands of men. Men's judgment against people is the greatest suffering that any man will go through. Is man's judgment at, uh, by someone else. May God humble each of us to the fact that we too will suffer at the hands of men. If we don't, we're doing something wrong. Oh, preacher. If we don't, then we're doing something wrong. Oh, preacher, how can you say that? How can this be so? It was Jesus who said, Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. For so did they 
did their fathers to the false prophets. That's in Luke 6 and verse 36. The fathers stood up for the false prophets, but they never stood up for the true prophets. How many of us will stand up for false things when we won't stand up for true things? It's amazing. Amazing to think about. All right, let's all stand if you would.